Warning, this episode contains adult language, mature situations, sexy time, ZF1s, conveniently placed duct tape, and crappy costumes. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 1. John, John McClain in space! Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Sparkin Movie Review, a spin-off of the Sparkin Manga Review. Finally, we decided to branch off and do something a little bit different. I know, we were supposed to do anime first, but whatever, it's a spin-off. The Sparkin Manga Review was so successful that we needed to do something different. Yes, and also, people were saying, you should review other things, because you constantly talk about other shit, so why not do it? So, you know what? Fuck it! We're going to review something else. So this is completely different than the manga review. Some things are going to be the same. A lot of things are going to be different. For example, the thing which made the Spark and Manga review so popular, so wondrous, is not in this. Yes. Isn't this going to be great? The best thing from the other thing is not here? Fuck. We'll figure something else out. We will figure something else out. Maybe we'll have the dice of movies, or dare I say, the dartboard of movies. I still think my suggestion of the coin flip of movies. But then we'd only have two choices, and that'd be kind of weird. Mm. And it, what happens? Works for Two Face. Not really. It's like, eh, eh. If we're talking about uh, Tommy Lee Jones Two Face, where he's like, eh, I lose. I'll do it again. Yeah. Like that's why I liked about in the Dark Knight. Uh, Aaron Eckhart. He actually, he flipped the coin, he'd make the decision. Yeah. In Batman Forever, flip the coin, I don't like the decision. I'm gonna flip it again. Oh, Batman the Animated Series was true to the destiny of the coin flip. But, is that a movie? Well, they did have Mask of the Phantasm. He wasn't in it. He wasn't in it, but that and was a good movie, thing, though. Same thing with the uh, mystery of the Batwoman and the other movie, which Sub-Zero. Is... No, there was a... Wasn't there another one? There was Sub-Zero, Mystery of the Batwoman, Mask of the Phantasm... That's it for Batman itself, and um, then there was Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Which you could count as, because it's the same continuity. Same and, continuity, and yeah. And the fact that they actually have the comic coming out. The Batman Beyond comic? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's Comes out cool. next week, and he looks more bulky. But, again, this is not a comic. That's for our other show. Yeah, maybe we'll spin off into do uh, American comics. Well, that's under that one. Anyway, yeah, either way, that. either way. We're getting off topic. Since we didn't announce ourselves first, I am your host, Zahn. I am Cal. Yes, and uh, hopefully you'll be our regular co-host. If not, we have others. Yeah. 
Yeah, just find somebody off the street to do just as good a job as me. No, 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 no. That hobo over there, he can't do it. I mean, we, he's grimy and ugly, and I don't want him sitting in the chair. I mean, seriously. I know, but I'm curious what his opinion of these movies are. Should hey. ask him. Hey, buddy, want two dollars? <laughs> hey, Mr. Homeless Guy, if you don't want your ten bucks so you can't buy a bottle of vodka, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> ah. Either way. Yes. So, since we could rant about different things about movies coming out, and this is just our first episode, we're not going to do any news, or even, dare I say, just show news, because we just started. It's the first fucking episode. Yeah. Well, really feel like looking up uh, news anyway on the internet. Yeah, not yet, and also it's so saturated with everything going on, and all the different movies, and all the shitty movies coming out, like Sex in the City, and Twilight New Eclipse, and all this other crap. Oh, God. Twilight. Uh, you know I'm going to have to review this one day with Belle. You uh, know I have to do that. I know. Belle Chan's going to make you watch it. Yeah, she's going to make me watch Sex and the City, too. Actually, actually, I got a way out of it. My friend said they want to have a girls' night out. Ooh. So they'll go out, and I can relax and watch something good like Kick-Ass, or mm. even The Expendables, or better yet, The Losers. Yeah, The Losers I'm excited about. That a looks pretty cool. A lot of movies are the blank. Yeah. It's like The A-Team, The Losers, The Expendables. The Expendables looks cool, too. I'm interested in that. But now here's the question. The Expendables or the Losers in a fight? In a fight? Hmm, that's tough. See now, the Expendables, you got Dolph Lundgren, Jet Li, James uh, uh, Stamos, or Jonathan Stamos, or whatever. <laughs> Stamos? I don't think he's going to do be much help in a fight. No, no, no. Uncle no. Jesse? <laughs> ah, Jason Statham. Yes, Jason Statham. Jason. Wow, but here's the ultimate question. Jason Stamos, or Jason Statham versus John Stamos. Statham. Uh, he would break his skull and then eat it. I don't know. It. I think uh, Uncle Jesse's got some rage issues. Ah, uh, because his wife left him, the insanely hot broad. Yeah. What was her name? Rebecca, Rebecca Romaine Stamos? Who's now Rebecca Romaine again? Rebecca Romaine Mystique. Which we've all seen her sort of naked. Yeah. Was, in blue. Yeah, well, it works. Was it bad? Worked for Kirk. Oh, Was she yeah. green? Kirk liked the green chicks, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he'd be, have no problem with blue anyway. I think as long as it moved... Uh, what is it called? Um, Shatner. Shatner would do it. Yeah. Him and Adam West. I think as long as it moves, they'll do it. Oh, man. Could be like a triple. <laughs> in the bathroom. <laughs> triple T. Triple T. Oh, God. That'd be like... Oh, God. <laughs> Picturing a porno starring Adam West, William Shatner, and insert a name. How about the chick from Total Recall with three boobs? Yeah. <laughs> That's that's too much. That's too much. Because Total Recall, uh, the mutants. <laughs> we're going to cover that eventually, and we're going to go crazy with the See you at the party, Richter. <laughs> and of course, the episode coming up. Get to the chopper! Get to the chopper! And also the Wayland yutani Oh, building better worlds. Ah, uh, yes. But that's not what we're covering today, because today we're covering a Luke Besson movie that came out in 1997, starring... Bruce Willis, Gary Oldman, Mila Jovic, jo, what's jo- her, how the hell you say her name? Jovovich, or Jovovich, whatever her real name is, and Chris Tucker, and surprisingly, who has top billing, Luke Perry. Luke Perry, yes. Easiest paycheck that guy ever made. Yeah, he should have died, that would have made me happy, but no, he survives. Ah, well, the movie takes, the part of he's in is, takes place so far in the past, he dies eventually. Of old age, but... Yes, but... Maybe so, there could be a spin-off movie of his adventure after the events of this movie and see what happens to him. Him in an opium den be like, yeah, man, whatever. 
I seen some crazy shit, bro. <laughs> yes, but we are reviewing The Fifth Element, which this is your first time ever seeing the movie. Yes, I've never seen it before today. And it's a science fiction film by Luc Besson, who, for those who don't know, he created the film Leon the Professional. Mm. Very cool movie, and he's done a couple other things, which I don't remember at this moment. And surprisingly, John Renault wasn't in this movie, because he always casts him in something in his movies. I was surprised John Renault wasn't just some villain or some just random guy. They're going, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> Where would I know John Renault from? Uh, Beyond the Professional, The American Godzilla. He was, Ooh, The American Godzilla. Um, what else was John Renault in? Uh, that was pretty bad. Several other movies, which I can't think of at the moment. Mm. You'd know him face. He's kind of a scuzzy looking guy. You see him, you recognize him from other stuff. You see him in some. He was in the first Mission Impossible. Mm, okay. French guy. I've seen that a few. Oh, yeah, that's him. I know him now. Yes. There you go. <laughs> yes, Perfect. Him. He would have been a good character. He would have been as good as the villain, but Gary yeah. Oldman does a better job. That think. guy does pop up everywhere, doesn't he? Yes. So, before we get into the movie, we well, we'll get into that afterwards. But, so, the movie opens up in the in far distance year. Ah, 1914. Egypt. Egypt. Further back. That's uh, before Indiana Jones. Yes, it is before Indiana Jones. Yeah, that's like the benchmark. With Something Henry... takes place before Indiana Jones. Holy shit. Yes, and it has to deal with, well, two guys who are in a temple that they found, and a little boy who's falling asleep, and an old man saying, Aziz, light! Uh. And what happens is they're just transcribing this hieroglyphs, which explain this whole battle plan that there are these four elements and a fifth supreme warrior, a fifth element, who will one day save the universe in 5,000 years. Or... Yes, it's all very cryptic. Cryptic and strange, and as they're doing their thing, and Luke Perry is sitting there like a douche going, eh, whatever you want, boss. I'm going to yeah. sit here jacking off, drinking, and doing whatever. Yeah, drawing little stupid boat pictures on his little pad. Well, eventually, this priest shows up who plans to kill them. Yeah. For what we think is no reason. We're just saying, okay, he's just generic bad guy. Even though that they're kind of cool with him. They're like, say, ah, hello, my friend. What yeah. are you doing here? Looking back on it, I really still don't understand why he really felt the need to kill them anyway. Uh, maybe he was trying to hide the secret of the mm. gods. Which, it turns out the gods are actually... Aliens. Really weird looking aliens. Yeah, big circular body typed aliens. Is With a lot of neon weird. lights on them. Yeah, especially on their groins. I don't know what that was all about. Yeah, aesthetic choice maybe. Hmm. Or maybe that's how they find each other. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe there's different colors for the male-female and... Whatever. We don't know. Maybe they're asexual. They maybe. go to, like, lock and key parties. <laughs> well, the thing is, I thought of, well, we can get into that in a bit, is that fact is that might be an, uh, an exoskeleton, and there might be something else inside of it. Oh, that's, yeah, that's probably true, yeah. Which would explain the whole, well, anyway, so what happens is they, they have come to Earth not to kill Luke Perry, even though that would have made the movie infinitely better. Yeah, I, th I agree. They came to take away the stones in the fifth element in Shanghai because they don't trust humanity because they think we're a bunch of idiots. Mm. And as they say this, Luke Perry comes out with an old school gun yeah. and tries to kill them. Yeah. Go uh, oh, humanity! You can't really argue with their logic there, have, can you? Nah, nah, you can't. So, after one of them gets smushed between this hidden doorway in a very climatic scene of him running so fast, going Yeah. And his hand getting cut off he gives the the uh, the priest or the other guy the key that uh, opens this magic temple, and you know then he just gets destroyed. And then we don't know what happens to them because it goes into the far future of three hundred years into the future. Yeah. Where there's something in space. 
We don't know what it is. It's a big, glowy, bally thing. Looks like a big, like a big star or, or, you know, planet on fire or something. Yep, and the military, of course, wants to blow it up. Yeah. They don't care what it is. They want to blow it up, and they go and contact the president of this universe, Debo from Friday. <laughs> when I saw a tiny listeners movie, I expected him to come on the bike and hear. Yo, that's my chain punk. <laughs> my grandma gave me that chain. I liked him in Dark Knight, though. Oh yeah, so he's kind of cool. Do what you should have done before. <laughs> so he's the president. I don't know who voted for him. I would vote for him. Yeah, well, whoever was voting against him, maybe Sarah Palin. Maybe he <laughs> just, maybe he just, whoever ran against him, he just kicked his ass. Maybe that's how they vote. They have a fight to the death. Who would win in a fight? Him or the president of America from Idiocracy? You mean President Camacho? <laughs> yeah. President Camacho or President Tiny Lister. They're both stupid. They're both black. They're both bald. They're both tall. And they both use weaponry. Except one keeps saying, you have five seconds. <laughs> I think it would be a draw. Yeah, I think so too. I think they'd see something shiny and go, ooh, what's that? Yes. So, either way. So, military doesn't listen to the president because a priest shows up. The descendant of that other priest and this is... Priest Vito Cornelius. No, the president gives the gives the go ahead to fire first. Oh yeah, he and does. then they see that it just makes the thing bigger and madder and more ominous. And the guy's like, "I'm gonna shoot it again. I'm gonna shoot it again. It gets bigger and bigger. It's like, yeah. okay, this thing makes it stronger. Let's keep making it stronger. Hopefully, it'll mm. blow up." Yeah. At that point, that's when the president decides. You know, maybe this priest knows what he's talking about. And so what happens is that they say, "You know what? We will help get the elements back." Because the alien race who came and took them the first place is coming back. And they go to help them out. And when they let the aliens through the border... Mercenaries kill them. These really ugly dog-faced mercenaries called Mangalores. And that's where we start to see the questionable costume choices, in my opinion. Anyway. Uh, it wasn't bad. It wasn't Jar Jar bad. It wasn't terrible. It was Star Wars... One... Oh, sorry. Three... Sorry. Four, five, and six levels of costuming for the aliens, I mm. think. I don't know. It's just... It kind of just took me out of it for a little bit. I don't know. Plus, I couldn't really understand what they were saying half the time. Sometimes when they would talk, they would you could understand it pretty well, and then there would be other times where, you know, I'm like, I wish we had subtitles on or something, you know? Yeah, no, it's a little bit difficult. But they end up hijacking the ship, blowing it up, and stealing a case from it. Yep. And the priest is freaking out because there was these stones on the ship, and there was a fifth element who was supposed to be the supreme warrior, the greatest being. And they say, okay, we have one survivor left. And you're like, survivor, cool, there's a bite left. No, it's a hand. Yeah. And then this question. It's a severed hand. And they explain this questionable science where they're able to, using cells, remake a body. Yeah. Complete with memories and all. Which, which was. Mm, I don't know. I mean, if you go with the Assassin's Creed theory where memories are in your genes, it kind of works. I guess. But realistically. So, either way. You see this machine build a bunch of genetic parts together, which, which is a kind of cool sequence, even it, though it's completely flawless. Yeah, it, it might have been a bunch of bullshit, but I, it, it was a very cool scene and a very cool effect. And they actually explain, okay, here's how we clone it. We put all the cells together, and then after we put the cells together, we got to put the skin on. And I particularly like the thing where they put the muscles and the tendons and everything. That, that, was, that was pretty cool. And for a 1997 movie, the graphics are surprisingly pretty good in it. Yeah, they, they hold up. Now, somewhere along the line, I heard that they re-released the movie with kind of a remastered digital effects to spruce it up. I don't know if that was yeah, true Yeah, that's or not. the Blu-ray edition. Oh, okay. Don't know how it is. I've heard rumors of good and bad, but 
hey, hmm. we could find out. Maybe we'll get the Blu-ray. Maybe you'll get the Blu-ray. It's like nine ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, it's probably pretty cheap. Yeah, the movie is not bad. Well, anyway, so what happens is after they grow the skin on in a very cool sequence, they open it up, and it's naked Milia Jovovich. Yes, and that was a very might have been my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. yeah, it was a very good scene, and we debated a while how if she was awake or if she was in cryo, and we come to the decision that she probably was awake and alive, and hence the reason why you, she had the armor from the Monoshimans were wearing. So yeah. we assume that's probably just like an armor suit that they yeah. wear, and then there's something underneath it. Plus, later in the movie, she recognized the mercenaries who attacked the ship. Or so after a very funny scene of her escaping from this regeneration. Oh, you forgot the best part. Well, second to best of her nakedness. Oh yes, the bandages. Yes, the the duct tape. Yes, they put these duct tape bandages, thermal bandages, to, well, make her look all spiffy and hot. Yeah. I, I need to thank that movie for coming out and giving all the girls on Halloween the idea of dressing up as that, as their costume, because I've seen that ever since this movie came out, and it's always very nice. And the one thing that I will say is that Jolovich is an A-cup in this movie. Later on, she gets a boob job, but this is before she got the boob job, and she looks fucking great. Yeah, I don't think she... Uh, yeah, I, I, She's an A-cup, and she's very thin on me. Her bones are sticking out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... I don't know if she needed felt the need that to compete in Hollywood. She needed to go up, but I think she looked fine. She looked perfectly fine the way she was, and she's pretty hot. Yeah. And so anyway, she escapes, and um, we forgot. The main character of the movie, John McClane. Yes, John McClane in the future. Well, it's... Bruce Willis as a guy named Corbin Dallas, who is an ex-military guy who currently is driving a cab. He's got an ex-wife who left him and a douchebag named Finger who's saying, give me your cab. I don't know about you, Zahn, but for the rest of this review, I'm just going to refer to him as John McClane. I don't care about calling him Corbin. But you have to remember, Corbin Dallas multi-pass. Corbin Dallas multi-pass, but John still. Mc John McClane multi-pass. John McClane multi-pass. Uh, so, either way, so John McClane, after his mother calls and harasses him. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually pretty funny for anybody who's ever been, you know, kind of nagged by their mom. It's the running joke in the movie. Yeah. His mom constantly calls him and harasses him about his life. Yeah. <laughs> and Very gets, funny. He gets called by his mom. He, you find his wife left him, and he gets mugged. Well, Semi-mugged. He yeah, kind of mugs the guy back, which is always yeah. funny in a movie. Guy pulls out the gun. He's like, oh, you didn't turn it on. Oh, really? That reminded me of the scene in, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever played Metal Gear Solid, yep. but there's a part in Metal Gear Solid where uh, Snake is confronted by kind of a rookie soldier, and, and Snake does the same thing that John McClane does in this movie. He kind of looks at him and says, safety's not even on. Yeah, he's like, the guy takes a second to look, and then Snake just owns him and takes the gun from him. Did it, if it came out before this, they could have stolen it from this, but if it came out afterwards, because the fact is that... When did Metal Gear Solid come out? Because the thing know. is that uh, John Renault does the voice of Snake in France. Really? And he works with Luc Besson. Hmm. Interesting. 20 Degrees of Snake! Yes! The world, the entire world is a series of conspiracies. Uh, <laughs> We digress. Yes, we digress severely. So, he goes in his cab, he's driving in a very cool future, which, surprisingly, I was telling Cal, it's very different than movies like Blade Runner or Star Wars or Aliens, where it's a very dark, dystopian future, which is very grim and used. This is a very shiny, pretty future. But it's not quite Star Trek prim and shiny future, though. True. And That's it, probably the ultimate. That is the ultimate, but the thing is also, like, kind of hinders it because even though it's very shiny and pretty mm. it's too shiny and pretty like it doesn't look like a huge universe and that's why aliens and Blade Runner are so believable because you could see people living in this world interacting yeah. like you see like okay they fix the ship with duct tape because it's doing this 
this is a very shiny world. And while it's very hot, a lot of the girls, except for the whole freckle deal, a lot of the girls yeah, are very attractive. Yeah, yeah. And they have these costumes which are just very, like the McDonald's girl. Yes. Yes. Nice to know that McDonald's still rules the world. Yes, with later on, two hundred years from now, or whatever it is. So, either way, so what happens is Lilu, who is the name of the of Milia Jolovich, she's escaped from the center, and the cops are after her. And the cops say, "We have you surrounded. Please don't move if you understand what we're saying." Yes. She walks away. Just jumps off the building. And lands right into John McClane's cab. And destroys it. And. What ensues is a very awesome chase sequence, including two cops who get stuck into a McDonald's truck after they lose their McDonald's. Set to very good music, I might add. I did like that music in that chase Yeah, the, the soundtrack is very different, but it's really good. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's pretty cool, and I love the fact that as they're driving, he's like, Hey, look, listen! And you hear Mila Jovich yelling in some weird language, he's like, Look, I was speaking English and bad English! Yeah. Like, now, music good for chit-chat, but will you shut the hell up? Yeah, and then you see her starting to piece together the English language as she goes, and just a sign of her extreme intelligence as she looks at some sign in the back of the cab, and she's able to piece together, please help, when the cops confront them, and... That's when John McLean makes his decision to pretty much just become rogue and, yes, you know, and lose run from the cops. Yes, and two points on his license. Yeah. And so after that, he takes him to the priest, who has been depressed because he thinks that she's dead, and the priest is very, well, it's Ian Holmes, Bilbo, from yeah. Lord of the Rings. You gotta love that guy. Now, he's a good guy. He's played a lot of villains, surprisingly. Really? Yeah, um, uh, I forgot the movie with Ewan McGregor and Cameron Diaz. Oh, Damn it, what's it? What it's, a, it's a cool movie, but he's the villain. It's very well done. It's about, well... Ah, yeah, forget it. Ah, look we'll, it up on IMDb. We'll re- yeah, look up on IMDb. We'll review it eventually. Ah. It is a good movie, and it's very well done. Is this guy going to be uh, Bilbo in The Hobbit? No, nah, he's too old. He's got cancer. Oh, ooh. He's got cancer of the pancreas, I think. Ew. Very dangerous, very fatal. Oh, that's too bad. So, so, either way. So, after Lilu and the priest hook up, they knock Corbin out of the apartment after he tries to kiss Lilu, and Lilu holds... Corbin's gun, or John McCain's gun to his head after saying some gibberish, which essentially translates to What does ectogamet mean? Uh, uh, never without my permission. It's a very funny scene, and he leaves. And meanwhile, the military has discovered, okay, four stones are alive. We know where the stones are. They weren't in the box that was stolen. And the box which was stolen is handed off to the ultimate villain ever, Gary Oldman. Yes. As a very creepy art dealer who has a limp and he's kind of sleazy. Yeah. Yeah, he does play the uh, play the villain well. Yes, the character John Batiste Emmanuel Zorg. Zorg. Who talks with a little bit of an accent. Mm-hmm. Says things like Korst. Mm-hmm. Which was not Brit- a bad villain. For a British actor, he does accents excellent. Yeah. He's yeah. A really versatile actor. Especially in, in, in the Batman movies. Yes. I mean, yeah, you really would never tell. Yeah, he does. And there's a couple of, like, Hannibal can't even tell, but he's also in a shitload of makeup. Mm. But, so, Zorg is an arms dealer. He says the white, and he sells this thing called the ZF-1. And the ZF-1 is this very, well, it's the Swiss Army knives of guns. Yeah. ZF-1. Slide. Handles adjustable for easy carrying. Good for riders and lefties. Breaks down on four parts, undetectable by x-ray. Ideal for quick, discreet interventions. A word on firepower. Titanium recharger, 3,000 round flip with bursts of 3 to 300. With the replay button, another Zorg invention, it's even easier. One shot. And replay sends every following shot to the same location. Hello, 
finish the job? All Zogoldies but Goldies. Rocket launcher? Arrow launcher? With explosion of poisonous gas head? Very practical. A famous net launcher? The always efficient flamethrower? My favorite. And for the grand finale, the all-new Ice Cube system. You know what's kind of funny, though? I mean, they, they basically, in the beginning of the movie, they, they hype up this ultra-super-special gun, and then they never really use it later. Yeah, true, true. You know, I kind of was expecting to see that, that be used later on. I mean, it is used, but you would have expected... John like, not the features, and not any of the advanced features, either. I mean... You know, nobody got stuck in a net. They never really used... It was a device which was eye candy. Yeah. And it would have been better used if they had put more into it, a lot more scenery in it. But yeah. it's still a cool... No, it's definitely a cool concept. I, I, I like that one scene where they displayed it, but I was kind of hoping that would be, there would be a payoff to that. I mean, you see it more later, but it isn't even you don't use anything else. And yeah, I mean, it could have just been replaced by any generic automatic weapon at that point. And there's they, a lot of automatic weapons in this yeah, movie, don't get me yeah. wrong. There's no shortage of automatic weapons. So, Zorg is essentially the big baddie, and he goes to the alien mercenaries, and they don't have the stones. The stones aren't in the case. Right. And he tells them, you know what? You guys didn't deliver on your part, so I am taking my shit and walking away. They pull out their guns, aim at him, and he's like, Oh, okay, well, here's the deal. I have four crates. I was going to give you four. You keep one for the cause. For the cause. And ends up saying my favorite line. Because the fact is that he says, I don't like mercenaries because the fact is that they have too many choruses and they support too many stupid things and they're too simple-minded. And what he likes... Tell you what I do like, though. A killer. A dyed-in-the-wool killer. Cold-blooded, clean, methodical, and thorough. Now, a real killer, when he picked up the ZF-1, would have immediately asked about the little red button on the bottom of the gun. Yes, leading to one of the funniest parts in the movie. When you see one of the warriors looking down, looking at the guns, and they're shooting the net at each other, being very stupid, mm. and he pushes the little red button. And as we all could probably expect, little red button is an explosive. Yes, never push any little red button on anything. Unless you have no other option and you know you're going to die either way. Yes. So they get blown up, and two survive, and they want revenge against Zorg. So you have them trying to get Zorg back, and Zorg is after these stones. The government is after these stones. Everybody wants these stones. Yes, except for John McClane, who wants the girl. Yeah, well, girl wants stones. Get stones for girl. <laughs> yes, very. And that's the movie. From then on, what ha happens is an entire secret... Um, mission to go into the Flosten Paradise, which is... That was interesting. It was a planet where you go to relax. It was a resort planet, which is all on a cruise liner that goes into space. Yes. And it's like a motel or a hotel in space. It's done kind of tastefully, and it's a lot of interesting other characters. Yeah. That's where we meet... Well, I think we meet Chris Tucker a little earlier on, but that's where we meet him for the remainder of the movie. Yes, Chris Tucker is a plot device where he's this radio DJ who... He had a contest where... The winner would go to Flossed in Paradise and be with him, and the government sets it up so that Bruce Willis, because he was a foreign military agent, would sneak on because they rigged the contest for him. Right. But the problem is that they wanted a discreet contest, but they forget the fact that Chris Tucker is a fucking motormouth. Yeah. And he leaves it on to the entire mission, to the world, to the universe. Everyone knows what the hell's going on. Yeah. And Chris Tucker, to be honest with you, when you first see him, you're like, who's the faggot? Yeah, yeah. But then there's this one scene where he's... You know, pretty thoroughly pleasuring one of the uh, one of the stewardesses on this 
uh, transport ship to get you to the cruise, and you know you realize, oh, I guess he's straight. He's Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not being straight, that is. Yes, we have a couple friends who are. Married. Yes. But anyway, it's kind of cool because that's one of the things I liked about the movies. There's a lot of those cut sequences where you see multiple things happening at the same time, and they all correspond somehow. Like he's like, "Where are the stones?" And it goes back, and Lilu's explaining where the stones are. Yeah. Or with this, it's everyone's getting ready to pilot. You got, okay, man, we have parasites <laughs> underneath the ship pond. And you see, as they're getting ready, you see the girls getting, they're right. floating around, they're floating around, and then they get ready to launch, and you see their legs just go, Yep, and that's when you see, it cuts to an explosion as the engines of the jet, you know, take ready to pick off. Right and, like, yeah, I guess Chris Tucker knows what he's doing, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. And the rest of the movie, he looks really gay. Yeah. Really gay. I mean, lipstick, like, and he's got a. At one point, he's wearing this crazy, like one piece. I guess it looks like a dress, and he's it, like it's got roses on it and everything. And, like he's got lipstick on, and right. yeah, yeah Ruby Rod. I guess they're just very liberal with their costumes in uh, in the future. Well, Chris Tucker as well. Chris Tucker, he can do whatever he wants. He's insane. Yeah. So what happens is they end up on Foster Paradise, and they. Go get the stones in this very cool sequence with two different fights and an interesting bomb. Yeah, the bomb. And by me, my bomb is a bomb which they put on the wall, could blow up an entire ship, and the way to stop it is you slip a card directly into the bomb. Not like a swiper. It's literally just put, it's like a missing circuit, which you put in and lock it. Yeah, you drop it like some kind of fail-safe thing. I don't know. But then that leads to the scene with the most cheesy special effect or actually prop in the movie. A combination lock with a little red dot on it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. For the honor. Yeah. And that's how they dispose of Gary Oldman. Because you expect him to be on for a lot more, and he just kind of dies in a very... I kind of like that, though, because, you know, that that's kind of something you don't see in a lot of movies. I mean, you have this villain, quote-unquote villain, who's this, this big orb in space, this ominous orb that's just going to destroy the planet. So that's kind of a faceless, nameless thing. You can't really interact with it. So the only evil person you have to interact with is Gary Oldman and you would expect him to be around till the end of the movie to keep some kind of tension but this movie wasn't afraid to dispose of him and have the rest of the movie take place granted there wasn't much left in the movie at this point but still you expect the main villain to usually end up till the end of the movie true when he ended I will say he got his comeuppance because he screwed the Mangalores and the Mangalores screwed him back yeah the only thing I did think was cheesy was it had five seconds on the freaking timer the same as his it's like they set it up yeah. It would be like if it was 20 seconds, I thought it would be more interesting. Mm. Instead of just five, four, three, it's like, oh no. Yeah. So, um. By the way, the reveal of the ending of the movie is a reveal of what the fifth element is, which, honestly, like I said, the movie is pretty good, and when it gets better and better, it's like you got the guy who's running for, to the goal, he's due to touchdown. He's at the 20 yard line, no one's got him. He's at the 10 yard line, no one's got him. He's at the five-yard line, and he's sacked. Ah. It's like, it's good, 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 and... Yeah. Or better yet, it's like a guy who's going out with a girl, going out with a girl, and then five-minute weaning. Ah. Yeah, then you gotta deal with blue balls all night. Pretty much. And yeah. it was, well, that ending was kind of made up a little bit. Yeah, Bruce Willis didn't have blue balls at the end of the movie. <laughs> no, but the movie, it, it was a... It was not a bad movie. Definitely, you know, there were some questionable things in it. You know, some of the, some of the stuff was a little slapstick at certain times and it was definitely some points that you know were just a little silly the costumes sometimes weren't as believable as they could have been but at the same at the same time it's also a fun movie you know enjoyed the majority of it and you know that's more than you could say for a lot of stuff so it's a movie which is worth watching if you have nothing else to watch if it's a rainy day and it's i think it's worth having in your library yeah 
it's a movie where you're just like, okay, I'll just watch that. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's it's a linear movie and it has a point A to point B. There's no subplots, nothing which is unresolved. Everything gets wrapped up in a nice, neat little package. And it's kind of, you can turn your brain off and relax to it eat popcorn. Yeah. And it has stuff for everybody. For for guys, it has nude Milia Jolovich. For girls, it has the crappy romance plot. Which, they don't beat you over the head with it either. And for the gun freaks, you got the ZF-1. Yes. And you have Gary Oldman acting as a guy who's just super evil, but not evil enough. Mm. And he's, I, in my opinion, he steals the show with his. I am very disappointed. <laughs> like, excuse me, sir. We can't let you come out here. There's a bomb here. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, pretty good movie. Yes. And now, if you know from the Spark and Mong review, we have a rating system of one to five. Five being the highest, one being the lowest. It's essentially by stars. One star, two stars, so on and so forth. And it's the same thing here on the Spyrokin Movie Review. And before we get into it, we have to explain what the five points are. Now, the first one is going to be protest outside of your local red box so nobody else makes the mistake of renting this reprehensible piece of shit. <laughs> Next, number two is it's not terrible, but don't go out of your way to see it. It's good to keep in the background when you scour the internet for porn. Yes. Third is it's worth watching once on cable TV or to watch in the movie theater once. Yes. Depending on if it's a new release or another release. I'd probably say a matinee showing at least, not yeah. anything good or dumb. Yeah. Don't spring for IMAX on number threes. Yes. Number four is you ask multiple people for this as a holiday gift in hopes that someone will get it for you. Now, if you receive multiple copies, keep the best edition, like the premiere edition, and then trade the other ones in for goods and services of your choice. We won't judge you. We do not judge here. And number five, which is... Really, really, really fucking cool. If you don't go out and watch this right now, your life is forfeit, and your soul will be sent to the special layer of hell where you must sit through episode one on an endless loop and have the Jar Jar Binks part turned up to the maximum volume. Mr. Jar Jar Binks, Mr. I'm gonna eat your soul! <laughs> Never do that again! Oh, God, I think that's awesome. Either way, so... It was pretty cool. Enjoyed it. It was a good movie. It was worth watching. Yes. For the next episode, we'll be... Did we actually give it a, an official rating, though? Oh, no, we didn't. Of course. I don't course. think we actually said it. <laughs> yes, we didn't. And we're keeping this in. Cause it's yeah. kind of yeah. So, for Fifth Element, I will have to give it, because we'll both do two individual for the rating. Okay. I'm going to give it a... Watch it once on cable TV or in the movie theaters, because it's pretty good. It's yeah. not the greatest movie ever, but it's enjoyable, and it's worth owning. Right. It's not worth... Like it's worth showing at parties, but it doesn't have a lot of replay value to it. Right. I think I'm going to agree with that one. It's not really into the one or two territory where you really got to go out of your way to avoid watching it, but at the same time, there's better things to make a point to watch, but if it happens to be on, yeah, go for it. It's an enjoyable movie. And also, it's a Bruce Willis film and a Amelia Jolovitz film. It's one of the better Amelia Jolovitz films. Yes. And it's not one of the worst Bruce Willis films. Last Man Standing. Ugh. Or... The one where he acts as a gay guy. Which one was that? Uh, independent film. Oh, okay. Mm. And also, he lost a lot of credit after his life left him. Mm. Which is a shame, because he's kind of a good guy, and also some of his new movies are pretty good. Yeah, do you have any interest in seeing that cop-out movie? I saw it already. Oh, you did? What did you think of it? Okay. Ah, save it for a later review. Yes, well... To be continued. Because there's issues that. So, we'll be back in the next episode, and we'll tell you what we're going to be reviewing next time, and then, next episode, we'll reveal what we'll be replacing... 
the wheel of manga. Because this is not manga, so we can't use the wheel, because the wheel only serves the purposes of manga. Unfortunately, yes, and if we did not, then a lightning bolt would come from Asgard, and Schlecknir would come and eat our cars. Ah! I think I'm gonna get home. I don't know. Schlecknir. Well, we could try riding on Schlepnir the Eight-Legged Bolts. People will know who Schlepnir is because the Mighty Thor is coming out next year. Yes. With Ray Stevenson as Volforth, the I'm fattest Viking ever. I'm not super uh, excited to see it, but when it does come out, I'm sure I'll, I'll be more into it than I am now. Everyone's saying it's going to be really good, and also the fact is he makes a guest appearance in Iron Man 2. Oh, that's pretty cool. Also another reference to Captain America, which is going to be played by Chris Evans. Hmm. Which I'm still kind of iffy about. You know what, what? The only thing about that is um, it brings into question whether or not the Fantastic Four movies can exist in the same universe as the, kind of what they're doing with Marvel right now. Marvel already said relaunch for Fantastic Four. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think the Fantastic Four movies were bad. Um, I don't think they needed a reboot. I think they need a reboot for two of the characters. That was it. Mm. They need a reboot for Mr. Fantastic because Ian whatever his name is, was a crappy actor. Mm. And I hate to say it, but the guy from Nip Tuck... Julian McMahon? Yes. He's charismatic, but he is not Doom. Because mm. he's like, I am just Doom. No, 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 no. Dr. Doom was a freaking megalomaniac who was a ruler of his own country. I guess I gave him enough a lot of slack because I really do like him from Nip Tuck and, you know, maybe I was a little bit of a no, he's a great skewed actor. view there. Yeah, He's also in Charmed. Yeah, I haven't seen Charmed yet, but uh, it's on my list of things to watch, so... Yeah, it's, it's an interesting show, but it's more of a... Well, you watch it for the three sisters who are kind of hot. <laughs> or, you, or you could take it to the levels of Mason, where it's all... I love the pentagram, I love Wiccan stuff, yee! I can't imagine it replacing the Whedon-verse, though. The Buffy-verse, as far as my favorite I fantasy I would have wanted TV. to see them actually cross over. That would have been cool. You know what I always thought would be cool? Huh. A uh, crossover with uh, Supernatural... And Smallville. Not gonna happen, but... Not gonna happen, but it would've been cool. But... Or, how about a supernatural angel, where De Sam and Dean had to confront Angel, and, you know, well, angel, they're about to kill him, but it turns out, you know, oh, he is good, but, Well, this ah. is going a little bit into the comic book world, but if you remember, or no, do you read you read Buffy Season 8, right? I haven't read all of it, so I don't want to... I've only read, like, the first volume of it. Okay, so you haven't heard about the new Big Bad? No. Well... Twice to say, it's an evil being known as Twilight. Damn you, Stephanie Meyer! Do you think that that was like an inside joke of them just saying, Twilight sucks, let's make it the oh, big bad? there's nothing. There's one thing which would make you sick. There's one comic with the new version where it opens up the cover mm -hmm. is Buffy, her shirt flapping in the wind, and she's holding up a car. Holding up a car? In a certain angle. Just like a certain comic book. Really? From the 40s. And also really? she can fly in this thing, and she has super strength. What the hell? Like from the Action Comics number one? Number 15. That pose? Yep. And also in the cover you see Joss Whedon running away in terror going, ah! Did you hear about the Dr. Horrible comic? Yes. i still got to get around to watching Dr. Horrible. Or, or reading that. Well, hopefully we'll do Dr. Horrible the movie when it comes out, which is kind of sucky, but it's being made into a movie. I don't know if that was officially confirmed yet, though, was it? They're saying it is, but... I mean, regardless of what format Dr. Horrible 2 comes out in, I think we should review it. Oh, yeah. We, well, we'd have to go with Dr. Horrible 1. With well, we Captain can... Hammer crying like a little girl saying, It hurts so bad. This is what pain feels like. Oh, uh, <sighs> Dr. Horrible. Well, that, uh. well that's going to be upcoming. If you have any comments or concerns, you can email at spirekinetgmail.com. For any, well, ratings or whatever you want to do, whatever movies you want us to put on, whatever we're going to use. And there's a Yeah, we're definitely uh, open to suggestions there because we 
really went back and forth for a while trying to decide what movie to review for this. Yeah, because at first we were going to go with, let's just go in alphabetical order, but that didn't work because we couldn't figure out a good A movie. I mean, you have aliens, but we want to save that for something else. Yeah. But then, of course, we'd have to keep Predator with, get to the chopper! Get to the chopper! And then there was also some time constraints, which I... Probably we really should wrap this up, huh? Yes, we should, so... Without further ado, I guess that's it. Yep, so we are done, so thank you for listening, and as usual... I'm Cal. And I'm Zan. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Aziz, lights!